Father, thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord. I thank you for this group. I pray that you would be those that are traveling today and those that couldn't be here. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful sunshine outside after so many days of rain. God, we pray that you'd bless us at this time as we come before you. And Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that your heart would be heard this morning. God, I pray that you would help us as we dig into the book of Hosea, that you would bring out what you want us to hear, Lord, and not what we want to hear, but Lord, something that would guide our lives and allow us to be um, in self-application, and Lord, uh, just change our ways, Father, to be more like you. Lord, thank you for this good group. Thank you for this class and the ministry that they do all over the church, all those that have gone out to be teachers, those that are watching kids this morning and imprinting, Lord, I pray that you would be with them. And God, be with those that have gone on, that have moved from our class out of state, that are now teaching, that have taken something they learned here and are applying it. Lord, we thank you for all those that I know many of us don't even know about, but Lord, that I get back information on. And so, Lord, I just thank you for them. Thank you for the leaders, the care group leaders, as they meet this morning, give them the words to say, Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And help the Falcons to win, right? All right, y'all grab a seat, and we'll get started this morning. Uh, we're going uh, to actually, um, you'll probably see a plate pass for our offering. We didn't do that last week. And we also are going to, it's important, Brian, you'll notice uh, Brian Warren and I scramble when Brian Saul's not here, because Brian Saul gets here about 30 minutes before anyone's here. He sets up the room usually. And then he sets the recorder and all that on the podcast. And then he also takes a great role, and we don't have to worry about it. Well, he's not here today, so what we're going to do is just pass a sheet. And if you would just sign your name and your wife's name, your husband's name, or your kids, even your kids, we need to record them that they're in Sunday school. So please, if they're only if they're in here, of course, if they're in here, sign your name, and we'll get that at the end. And I know most of you, so I can go back and look at the role. And Brian does such a good job. I'm not going to worry with that while I'm teaching. I'll just try to make eye contact with everybody, all right? So, <clears throat> the last few weeks, we've been going through, yeah. Real quick. Hey, guys, I'm going to, we're just going to put one piece of paper per side, so don't, don't cross this across the aisle. I tell you what. They're going to drag me into this thing, aren't they? All right. So what I've done this morning, which I don't normally do, just to catch some people up, y'all can look at this while we're going. I know some of them on the far right here might not be able to see it, but um, we've been in the book of Hosea for a couple weeks, <clears throat> and um, I really have spent a large amount of time telling you what was going on prior so that you would understand more of the book of Hosea. It's interesting, as I began studying Hosea, I found myself going into books. Um, I'll sign his name later, Andy. That's fine. I've, I've, I've found myself going into the other prophets, the minor prophets that were of the time, right, like Amos and and even Jeremiah and, and Ezekiel, who I don't have listed on the board, because it, it's a big puzzle, you know, and, 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 and as you're reading after commentaries, it leads you from one to the other, so you feel like you've got to read the other one, and it, and it puts the puzzle all together. So it's, it's, um, we're going to jump around a little bit this morning, 
just so you can get an idea of what was going on. So it's not just Hosea, but I want to try to end this morning. I want to try to end my setup of Hosea, the judgment that Hosea pronounced, and then next time I teach, I want to go more into what the book of Hosea is known for. We may not spend three weeks on this, but what the book of Hosea is known for, which is God's unquenchable love. If you, if you talk to people about Hosea, they're going to talk to you about the love he had for Gomer, which is God's love for Israel. So what I thought I would do, and I know we got some new faces in here, here's what I'd like to do. So you guys that handle that back table or any of you guys, do me a favor before I j jump in here. If you have never filled out a visitor sheet, just so we have a record of your visit, we're not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to have them bring you something. You can fill it out anytime now or after the, after the, the, uh, the Sunday school hour. If you've never gotten one of these, would you just raise your hand up so our guys in the back can bring you one? Anybody? I know we've got some new faces in here. Everybody's filled out one? Awesome. Okay. Real quick on that. If, if you want to join our class, you do not have to be a member of Woodstock. You can change Sunday school classes every week. But what it does is if you register and you check on here on one of these forms, even if you've already filled out one, if you'll refill one out, and you haven't joined, if you'll join, you'll be on our roll, so we don't have to, uh, thank you, so we don't have to continue to check you and, and, and get your name and record it, so it just makes it easier. So um, <clears throat> I had one couple this morning that came to me early before everybody was here and said they wanted to join, they'd been three times, so Scott and Janet, raise your hand right here. Scott and Janet, y'all welcome them. We appreciate y'all coming, so if you want to join, and you've never joined, just let us know, and you can fill out a form real quick and check it off. All right, here we go. Let's review the last two lessons real quick, all right? So we talked about in the book of Hosea flagrant fouls, right? Remember that in the football terminology or wrestling, for those of you who are wrestlers, you know? Flagrant fouls lead to penalties assessed, and penalties assessed over time if not corrected, can lead to potential disqualification. God's word. Sin breaks relationship with God. Lifestyles of sin eliminates relationship with God. And we see over and over and over again in the Bible, we'll concentrate on Hosea, but over and over and over again in the Bible, God forewarns, he sends the prophet, he sends the mouthpieces of, his, of God, Remember, they didn't have the word like Paul's holding this morning. They didn't have technology. They generally went to temple or they went to, let's just say church in our language, and they would hear a book pronounced and preached on or read. They didn't have the whole Bible. So they'd send prophets and the prophets would tell them exactly what God was saying and judgment would be imminent if they did not correct their sin problem. And that's what we're dealing with in Hosea right now, okay? So... Sin results in broken relationships, and that's probably the key factor until we turn into the next time I teach when we're really going to leave that and we're going to go talk about God's love for his people and how that relates to us, okay? And I never know where I'm going to go, uh, you know, after making notes, but just wherever the Lord leads. Let's, let's do this real quick. Here, here's a basic outline if you take notes. Hosea gets a very unique look at God's perspective, right? 
God's perspective, he allows Hosea to marry a, pro, uh, a, a prostitute type, a har harlotry, promiscuous woman, and he marries her, and God shows him that the love that he has for his wife is similar to that of God for his people, Israel. And in that, we learn that Hosea has a very unique look that no other man that I know of has had. So here's how I outline the book of Hosea so far. Spiritual adultery. Y'all with me? No? Spiritual adultery leads to God's hurt over his people. God's hurt over his people. That leads to God's explanation, which we've been working on. Why is God upset? Why is God upset? And we talked about that last week. We're going to talk about it a little bit more this morning. Then from God being upset, he's hurt. He's, he explains to the prophet why he's hurt. And then he gives him not a Jeff par uh, parallel and not a Jeff parable, but he gives him God himself says, I'm going to let you see what it's like. Where I sit, Hosea, you will sit. And they walk this journey of his marriage and his family together. Then God gives Hosea judgment. God's judgment. Eventually, we haven't gotten to it yet in the book. If you've read the book, you've gotten to it. Hosea will judge, per se, his wife. He will judge his wife. And she will leave him for a time. His home and such. Then God's judgment, lastly turns into God's unquenchable love for his people. And that, when we get to that in the next week or two, when we get to that, I want to really hone in on where is God with America right now? Where is God, we're going to talk about judgment today with America, but where is God in his love, his unquenchable love? Will he ever leave us or forsake us? The Bible says no. But God does have a judgment where he draws the line and we're going to talk about that this morning. That's the basic outline that we've been going through. So let's go real quick. I'm not going to spend much time. I wrote it down for you. We started with King David. King David begat King Solomon. King Solomon did some things wrong, but he built the temple, and that wasn't wrong. That was great, and he built it wonderfully. Then he allowed foreign wives to steal his love for Almighty God. Y'all remember that? We talked about that for two weeks, okay? Then God pronounced judgment in 1 Kings 11, 8 through 13, where God literally said to Solomon, if not for David, I'm paraphrasing, if not for David, I would judge you right now. But since David, I'm going to honor you, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that the way it is now is not going to be the way it is. The kingdom's going to split. And your son is going to be here when it splits. Okay, now I paraphrased all that. But if you go back and read that, see if you don't get that same thing. Then we have the meeting at Shechem, okay, where supposedly Solomon's still alive, but it's time for the kingdom to be passed. He passes it to his son, and from there his son makes a great mistake, which God had already foretold right here. He prophesied it before it happened. He told him. He makes a mistake, and Rohan. Hebabam, or whatever his name is, I'll just call him R, all right, King R, he decides to take the advice of the young whippersnappers of the kingdom, and the ten tribes of the northern kingdom that would be known as Israel, okay, they leave him at Shechem, at this place they're meeting. 
The kingdom now splits. Judah goes south. Northern kingdom goes obviously north into Israel. And we have a split kingdom. 975 B.C.-ish. 1005 to 1012, the temple's built. Pull that down. We're in there. All right, so the time of the prophets. We talked about this. The northern kingdom. So you see the way God's working here? God sends them Billy Graham right here. Okay, now I'm saying that because that's the one that, you know, I mean, God sends prophets, God sends preachers per se through all the land, but these specifically are named. To the northern kingdom, he sends Jonah. Okay, to the northern kingdom, he sends Amos, and to the northern kingdom, he sends Hosea. Now, you all know, before we started this study, you may have known Hosea, you may have studied Hosea great, but you all knew Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, right? I mean, very popular, prophesied about Daniel's Babylonian captivity. A lot of people say Hosea is the Jeremiah of the northern kingdom. Now, Jeremiah would come later. He would come later, but I did, I did put him in here. He's in the 500 B.C. range, I think. But the southern kingdom would get Zechariah, obviously, Isaiah, the great prophet, Joel, and then later the weeping prophet over his, over his nation, Jeremiah. He weeps because their sin is so great. Lastly, it's judgment time. So we're, we're actually, guys, in here where we're studying Okay, judgment time will come. Judgment time for Israel, 721 B.C. Okay, in 721 B.C., Assyria walks in and takes the leaders of the northern tribes out, and they become captive. Now, if I ask you today, none of you here could even comprehend the United States of America, Andy, people coming in and taking us out. They would come in, and they took them out by their nose rings and their earrings and let them out i mean it was not pretty you can read about it all in the bible judah judgment time 607 bc general nebuchadnezzar would soon become king nebuchadnezzar and he would take them into several babylonian captivities where they let them out you know them most popular is daniel ezekiel those guys were taken out okay of their homeland that was a leaving of the kingdom, as you guys know from studying prophecy. Those who have been here three or four years, we did prophecy about, I don't know, two years ago or something, and we talked about the people of Israel leaving and coming back. I believe, just for sake of argument, that Israel will never leave her nation, her homeland again. I believe the Lord is prepared to come get his bride. I don't know when, but I don't think you'll see that anymore. Turn with me to Hosea 13. Hosea 13, 1 through 4, okay? I'm going to show you several quick things, and I walked out and didn't bring my Bible. I've got my technology, though, so maybe I'll be able to dial it in here. Hosea 13, 1 through 4. <clears throat> All right, here we go. When Ephraim, or Ephraim, or Ephraim, Spoke. Anybody know who that is? Anybody? That is the name of one of Joseph's sons. Joseph, uniquely in the tribe of Israel, had two sons. Manasseh, one, I say sons from his family lineage. 
and Ephraim, or however you want to say his name, was the second one. But oftentimes, this was such a large tribe, very famous leader from the nation of Israel came from there by the name of Joshua. So I'm just giving you, you know, see those are free right there, you know, little cookie, cookie crumbs there. Big, big family, big tribe, and a lot of times in the Bible when you read them, you can replace their name with just Israel. Sometimes it's referring to just Israel because it was such a big tribe. Here it's talking about the actual tribe. So let's, uh, or, or excuse me, it's talking about Israel. So let's just say when Israel spoke, people trembled. He was exalted in Israel, per se, the biggest tribe in Israel. But he became guilty of what? Read it with me. Baal worship and what? Died. Did he really die? Physically or what? Spiritually, right? Now they sin more and more. They make idols for themselves from their silver. Cleverly fashioned images. I'm reading NIV. All of them the work of craftsmen. You see? Right there breaking the commandment, right? What does God say? Anybody? There should be no other gods before me and you shall not what? Make what? Carved images, right? Look right there. He says, by the work of the craftsmen, it is said of these people, they offer human sacrifices. Hang on to that. They kiss calf idols. That just takes you right back to Moses, right? He's up on the mountain. They think he's gone. They have no faith. He's gone. And God literally engages Moses and says, I mean, the way I read it, Paul's like, get back down the mountain. We're talking. Me, me and you, Moses, up. Get back down the mountain. Your people are doing something stupid. I'm giving you the Ten Commandments, and they're melting earrings and nose rings, and they're forming the calf, and they're worshiping. I mean, I can only imagine. First of all, the hurt that God felt after he had just led them out of, out of uh, Egypt. But that's what they were doing. So right here it says in Hosea, they're kissing idols. They're making idols with their hands. Verse 3, therefore they will be like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears, like chaff swirling from a threshing floor, like smoke escaping through a window. We would say put a teapot out there, an old-fashioned teapot, and when it, the steam comes out, it disappears after a few uh, feet or seconds, and it disappears. That's what he says. These people are just going to be gone. He's, he's tired of it. Verse 4, but I have been... The Lord your God, ever since you came out of Egypt, you shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. Okay? All right, here's what I had to question. What were the people of the northern and the southern kingdoms, what were they doing that was so wrong? Help me out. What were they doing that was so wrong? Idol worship, okay? So, in that idol worship described in Hosea, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 19. Y'all stay with me now. Chapter 19. So, we have crafting molded images and kissing them. And then, we know why y'all are turning that our God is a jealous God. Exodus 20. Deuteronomy says the same thing. Our God is a jealous God. It is very similar, guys, to marrying a wife and your wife goes and commits adultery on you 
and you just allow it to happen and it's right under your nose and you know it's happening? I don't think so. Most red-blooded American men would not do that. Now, I know some of y'all have been through that. I understand that. But most men would not allow that. And God, and by the way, women either, um, <clears throat> women would devise a very evil plan and do something very badly. <laughs> In case Amy's listening to this. <laughs> All right, Jeremiah 19, 4 through 7. Listen to this. For they have forsaken me, made this a place of foreign gods, they have burned incense in it to gods that neither they nor their ancestors nor the kings of Judah ever knew. And they have filled this place with the blood of the innocents. They have built the high places of Baal to burn their children in the fire as offerings to Baal. Something I did not command or mention, nor did it enter my mind. So beware, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call this place, and so forth. Okay? God says they worshipped idols, they kissed idols, they hugged idols, they built idols, and now he says they took their children, and unbelievably, they shed blood of innocent children to idols. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 23. I won't do this very much more or we'll never get finished. Ezekiel. Anybody read that, that scripture I gave you last week? I know one of you did. Did y'all did y'all agree with me? Ezekiel 23. It is actually the, ver the, the, the scripture. I thought about doing that today and I don't know. Ezekiel 23, 36 through 39. Okay? Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, will you judge Ohalah and Olabah? That is to say Samaria and Jerusalem. Okay? It's a, uh, an allegory, guys. Then confront them with their detestable practices, for they have committed adultery and blood is on their hands. They committed adultery with their idols, and they even sacrificed their children whom they bore to me as food for them. You guys, you guys catching this? It's amazing what a godly, a godly nation like Israel in such short order has turned their back on the almighty God and the weird stuff that Satan has got them doing and they think it's good. They think it's a practice that makes them more holy. You know, I read something, and, and I wrote it down somewhere in all those notes, but I wrote it down, and it made so much sense, sense to me when I read it by somebody I was reading on the Internet uh, that had written some stuff on Hosea. And they said it's amazing that when you take man or woman and you remove their commitment to God, so it's not God moving, it's you moving, right? Just like Israel, the vacuum that is created that they are going to worship something. Y'all get that? The human, human nature is they're going to worship something. It's what they replace God with. So you get someone who's a Christ follower. They're going to be what? Christ-like. That's the very definition of Christianity. Small Christ. We're all Bobs. 
like Christ if we follow Christ. We're to be more and more the sanctification process, more and more like him. That's why we don't want you to, and the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because if I'm here, Chris, and I'm fellowshipping with you, I become more like Christ. You need what I have in my spiritual gifts. I need what you have, and we need fellowship together. When you get out of the church, you don't have that, Paul, and so you sit there and you do things yourself, and then lo and behold, you start getting a little bit further away, a little bit further away, and you replace Christ worship with something else. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's the love of money in our society. Maybe it's power. I don't know. These people had replaced it with just foolish things we would think of, but they may say the same thing about us, idols. The Hindu religion does this as well, if you guys know anything about that. They, they have all these little trinkets set up, and, you know, like, for instance, you ever go, I know you all have, you go into a Chinese restaurant, you know, and what do you see behind the counter usually? Buddha, right? You ever see the little drink glasses? Glad you could join us, Dan. You have any drink glasses that are up there where they're offering to him? Like, you, you want to really get a rise out of a, out of a Chinese restaurant? Now, I, I can think of one that I know that's pretty good, you know. Ask them when they have that little cup there. Just say, has he ever drank what you put over there? And be dead serious and just see what they say. It'll be like a Seinfeld episode, you know, before you walk out of there. You know, it, yeah, right. Make sure you've already eaten, yes, yes. As our Hispanic friends say, you might get El Gato if you're not careful, right? A cat. All right, anyway. All right, where was I? Let's talk about, let's talk about parallelism of America and Israel and Judah, okay? Let's talk about that real quick. And then I want to read you one verse of, of Scripture in Hosea uh, uh, to conclude our lesson today. All right, so parallels with America. Here's what I have. I it's interesting to me. The northern kingdom had a standing army. So after Shechem, as I understand it, they leave, and yes, the, the, nations are, the nation splits, but the northern kingdom has a huge army, a standing army. And they go out and actually recapture Damascus. Now, you, you guys know the name Damascus. They had lost that. You remember, in, some of you who were here years ago, I talked about Bible prophecy. It's this give and take. There's always land that they give up, and someone puts pressure on Israel, and they give it up, and then they get it back, and so forth. And that's why it became a really big deal in, Ob in President Obama's first term, and even in Bush's years, when the land was being talked about. And we know that when God comes back, based on theology, that we study, that they'll be in all their lands. And so we Christians are really sensitive to that, right? So we, we don't want Israel to lose her land. We want her to be exactly how God called it, the promised land, and, and as it's defined in the Bible. So that being said, we know that this, that, this, that this standing army was a big deal because they went out and recaptured the land. They were in a military high at that time, if I could. America is basically in the same, in the last hundred years, is basically in the same mold. We do things and can do things because we've spent money on our military, and our military is great. Our technology is great. 
Our military is great. But the interesting thing is when God's judgment comes down on you, it doesn't matter how great your military is. Did you, do you remember last week or the week before I told you that God had prophesied that no one would raise a hand and he would protect his people? And you remember, I think it was Judah that I was talking about. I don't remember exactly, but that God slew 180,000 men as they were in their sleep. I don't care how he slew them. I just know he killed them. And, it, and, and, and he protected his people. He showed them once again that I'm God and you're my people and I love you and all you need is me. But somehow that vacuum when we don't worship God appropriately and sin enters the camp and we cut off the relationship, we get the devil somehow gets in our mind as a people, as a corporate body, as a country, as a city and all those things and he retards the way we see the relationship and God all the while has said just just worship me just just be who I tell you to be and I'll take care of all those I'll feed you like I do the robins the birds of the air this morning in the cold I'll feed you I'll protect you and we don't want to believe it so one of the things that I marked down here with a parallel with the northern kingdom was that they had a successful standing army and guess what a self-reliance creeped in Mike they became self-reliant. We got the army of the time. We got the army of the time. We can take care of this. Watch the second thing. The second thing they enjoyed was material prosperity, unequaled since the days of Solomon. Now, I know you're saying, where does Hosea get lost in? Get back to Gomer. You know, that's the whole reason for Gomer is he's explaining to us what's going on. And, and, and so materialism is at a high level. It actually, the highest level in Israel's history was the time of King Solomon. And when they split, they took a dip. But now, at the time of Hosea, prosperity is high again. Okay? They have everything. They have need of nothing. Okay, per se. Now, let's talk about America here. Here's just a few things I wrote down. We could go on all day on this. God had blessed Israel even though they didn't see it as him, and I could prove that to you in, the, in Ezekiel chapter 23 that we just read. If y'all read that last week at the beginning, he talks about that, okay? But let's talk about America. America, we have computers in every home, practically. Very few of you wouldn't have computers, and if you don't, you chose probably not to have a computer. Most of you have them right now, and you're looking at them right now, okay? That was not even thought of 20 years ago, okay? Most of us have two-car homes, if not three or four. Most of us have more than two garages in today's society for some reason. Okay? I'm just picking a few things. How about what Johnny said? $30,000 mark per year. If I were to ask for a show of hands, those of you who do work would probably say most of you make above $30,000. If you make above $30,000, you are... I believe Johnny said, among the wealthiest of all people in the world, you're in the top 1%. Well, so if you make $100,000, you can imagine where you're at. And as you keep going up, you're even more. God has blessed this nation and made us, as some people, I'll steal this from someone I read after, a beachhead for God in the world. He has blessed us since the Industrial Revolution. He blessed us in the Civil War. 
the way everything ended up, and he set us right where we needed to be. And a lot of people say, we are Israel of the New Testament. A lot of people say that. God has blessed America. We know that. We've been given many, many things. Let me say this. Watch this carefully. Did you know that God blessed Europe too? God blessed Europe with Great Britain, and Great Britain at one time had some of the greatest, we call them prophets in the Old Testament, some of the greatest preachers of all times. And today, dead as a doornail. Very, very few people moving for God in Europe right now. Very, very few people would have said communism would have swept across when it did. We've got to be so very careful of judgment in America. And uh, some people think we've gone too far. Here's the third thing and the last thing I want to mention. The worst of times as far as God was concerned. So you got this weird thing, right? You got the best of times. We got the best army so we can protect ourselves from anybody. We got wealth, material prosperity, Israel sinking. We got it going on. But then in God's eyes, it's the worst of times, Bob. They turn their back time and time again on God. And so it's defined as the worst of times. Their moral fuel tank, if you will, was almost on empty. It was a time, as the Bible said in the book of Hosea, of decadence. Moral decay on every corner. And God's ready to judge at that time, which is kind of what I wrote down here as we head into the judgment. Okay, here's America. See if you agree. America, we're so sophisticated. I mean, we're darn sophisticated, you know. We're so sophisticated that we condone homosexuality as an ultimate lifestyle. That's not what God called it. And I'm not picking on the homosexual lifestyle. We could name any kind of sexual sins that you want to name. Um, we murder innocent babies because they are socially inconvenient. And that's just the truth. I mean, that's just true. I'm not talking about there's 1% or 2% or what. I'm talking about, by and large, we have made it to where we can, as a society, can rid ourselves of not only the youth, babies, but also the elderly. We, we've made it that way. We've passed laws to make it that way. So these are things that were going on as well, not exactly the same things in Hosea's day. We change marriage partners like a fashion statement in America. We do. Many of you have changed marriage partners, and I'm not, con I'm not sitting here saying you're, I'm, I'm not judging you in that. I'm, I'm here because my mom and dad changed marriage partners. So I'm thankful for it, honestly, <laughs> or I wouldn't be here. But God has a different idea. We've gotten outside of God's law. We've gotten outside of God's will. Lastly, we allow our entertainment industry to raise our children as they celebrate the entertainment business, Hollywood as we would call them, as they absolutely celebrate adultery, fornication, violence, and evil of every form, and we sit there and allow it to be shoved down our children's throats. And it becomes like the frog in the warm pan that the heat just gets slightly hotter and by the minute the frog never moves it's like staying in a warm shower it's like being in the sauna randy and eventually you come back to the frog and the frog's dead boiled to death and never knew what hit him we in america are in that situation and we better be very careful we better be very careful join me in hosea chapter 2 i just want to get this read
and then I'll make a cl couple closing comments and let you guys get to peer group. Hosea chapter 2. Now, we worked our way, if y'all remember, we worked our way through the children being named. Do y'all remember that? We, we worked our way through that. Let me get this thing fixed. I need King James Version. All right, y'all with me in Hosea 2? Man, y'all are with Brett. It's like dry bones in here. Ezekiel. All right, here we go. Hosea, t Hosea 2. All right, here we go. Say, uh, verse 1. Say to your brethren, my people, and to your sisters, mercy is shown. Bring charges against your mother. Stay with me here. Bring charges against your mother. Who is Hosea talking to? His children. His children. He is. Listen closely. Bring charges against your mother. <clears throat> For she is not my wife. Now, we know she is. Ready? Nor am I her husband. For let, let her put away her harlotries from her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and expose her as in the day she was born and make her like the wilderness and set her like dry land and slay her with thirst. I will not have mercy on her children. By the way, that's them. For they are the children of harlotry. For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who gives me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. You know what I thought of when I read that? A couple things. First of all, I know in Old Testament law, get this now, and, and think about how many of us would be dead. If you disrespected your, your parents publicly, the Bible, the law in Deuteronomy said, subject to death by stoning publicly i mean there wasn't you know it wasn't like in my house did you just back talk me <laughs> i mean in that day and time a stone was being held over your head i mean it wasn't i mean it was nothing but yet hosea says to his children that he wants them to front their mother which was not biblical per se why do you think that is? Why do you think he did that? The shame that was being brought, someone said, on the family. Okay? I think Hosea's desperate here. Now, when I say desperate, I don't mean God's desperate. Because you remember, everything I'm saying about Hosea, you've got to put God in Hosea's place. We've got God in Israel, his people, God in us, okay, today. And Hosea and his wife Gomer and his family. He literally is trying one last attempt. And I loved, I read this not in our Sunday school manual, Brian, but in another place. He wanted to jolt his wife. He wanted to shock her and say, what are you doing? Wake up. That's what he wanted to do. I, I'm convinced after I read more and more of it. Because he would have never told his children to do that. Because they could have been in danger. But I think everyone in town probably knew Hosea's a prophet, yet his, if I'm right, with what I've told you the last few weeks, yet his wife is going down to Baal Temple down the street here 
and she's walking out with two and three guys from there, and I know what they're doing because it's very obvious. Okay? So this is going on. Another thing I thought of, did you catch that last verse? She actually had been, literally her mind was telling her, the people, Tim, she was with in the temple of Baal, if I'm right on that, she thought they were the ones supplying her water, her clothing. So maybe they gave her some nice clothing, whatever. She didn't see that the home was that Hosea had for her was the place where she could lay her head down and rest and be protected from the from the wind and the rain and the food and everything he supplied. She was actually thinking that her lovers were the one protecting her. Now, you have to put all this together. If How many of you read Ezekiel 23 last week where I told you strong language? If you go back and read that, remember Ezekiel is, is past Hosea's time. So he's looking on what happened after Hosea's day, and he's explaining what happened. Hosea's looking forward, okay? So Ezekiel tells us the same thing about Samaria and, 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 uh, and, and Jerusalem. He tells us how nasty they were. And I don't know if y'all read that, but it gets pretty graphic if you read that verse. And they start talking about the young soldiers and so on and so forth. And that's what God sees when we are doing our stuff against him and we're committing spiritual adultery. He compares it to my wife doing the same thing that Hosea's wife was doing. We're his bride, and he sees us as being filthy and wretched. And then my mind on that verse right there, and that's all I'm going to read today uh, in Hosea uh, as we close on that, but he says right there, read back with me in 5, For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water and my wool and my linen and my oil and my drink. You know what it reminded me of? Revelation, the church of Laodicea, which many think we're in today. I don't know that, but you know what they what what the book of Revelation say about Laodicea? She was rich and thought she had need of nothing. Yet in God's eyes, Brian, she was listen to this word wretched, naked. Did you know in that verse? He goes on to tell him, and I read a little bit of it, but he says, your mom, I'm paraphrasing, but your mom is as if she's naked among the streets, and she's running up and down naked. She could have the clothing of Hosea on her as a husband stands beside his wife and shows her off proudly, but instead she's miserably naked. And in those days, you didn't do that. I know today we accept a lot of that stuff. So let me close down with this. There is nothing new about America's new morality, folks. It's not new morality. The new morality that we have and we joke about in the Christian church, for those of us who are really serious about God and living for God, it's not a new morality. It was taking place in 700 B.C. And can I just parenthetically, as Johnny would say, parenthetically say that it was taking place in Lot's day, too, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And can I just go again and say it was taking place in Noah's day when he was building the ark and people were laughing at him for 100 years plus. And he said, you better get on the boat. And they said, man, old man, you've been building that boat for over 100 years. My parents told me about you and my grandparents. And you're just crazy. And 
one day, a little cloud formed. It's never been rain on the earth before that. I don't know if y'all know that. Rain was coming up from the earth at that time. It wasn't rain. It was just coming up. God sent a cloud harvesting. It rained a long time. And in Lot's day, his wife didn't want to believe what was going to happen. And the Bible kindly says she looked, even though she was told not to look. It also told us at the beginning of Lot that he pitched his tent toward Sodom, which means he enjoyed the city of Sodom. And she turned to look, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. And fire and brimstone was cast down. You might not believe that. I do. I believe the word of God, and I believe he means what he says and says what he means. And so now we're in 700 B.C., and Hosea is forewarning, and Jonah's forewarning, and Amos is forewarning, and Zechariah, and Isaiah, and Joel, and Jeremiah begins to weep over Judah and says, she's not going to change, she's just not going to change, and judgment comes. And my question to you today is when will judgment come to our nation? The remnant, the small minority of Israel's people, God spared, no question. I was reminded this week, too, that it's not all about Shalom. I don't know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen. I just see and measure up that we're just like they were, and I cannot see God staving off judgment. But I do remember a town called Nineveh. And Jonah, at that time, was sent to a town, and he didn't like it one bit. He wanted he wanted them destroyed. You remember? I mean, he got himself in trouble because he wouldn't go preach. A lot of trouble. But you know what? God stayed judgment for a hundred years on Nineveh because they heard the word of God and they repented. And that took me to the last thing I'll say, which is in 2 Chronicles, don't turn there, 714. You guys know it. If my people, what? Call my name. And what? Yes, if they seek my face. Did you notice in that scripture, you all know that, you hear it over and over, you see it on paintings and stuff like that. You know what's interesting? He didn't say if the President of the United States. He didn't say if our senators and our mayors and our governors. He did not say that. He said, if my people. So, we have the ability to call on his name and repent for our nation corporately. We have the ability to change God's heart in judgment. I don't know when it's coming, but if we don't change our ways, Bob, I mean, some have said if God didn't judge, I've heard preachers say boldly, if God doesn't judge this country at some point in time, he's a liar in his Bible. Now, I didn't say that, but I've heard preachers say that because so many things point to judgment from a holy and righteous God. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, as we turn the page from judgment next time in Hosea to your love, I pray that you would have the people get interested and uh, hanging on to this book and be able to read it. God, we thank you for Hosea. Be with the care groups as they meet. In Jesus' name, amen.